Well, it's time for week 10 here for the DFS early look. If you were watching, you should have been. It was free. Cashing points. Uh, the Houston Texans that were touted, they all went off. Everyone from Nico Tank, Noah Brown, and of course, CJ Stroud, the absolute monster. Free again this week is cashing points, but this is not that. This is Jake Tribby's DFS early look. Jake, you always say at this point of the week, you're not looking to set your lineups. We're just looking at as much information as we have. What a week last week was. Yeah, last last week was something. I mean, it was a super gross slate. Obviously, you saw everyone who banked a tournament did so with, with CJ Stroud. You know, was happy to be all over that on on cashing points. You know, came close myself. No, no huge banks, but uh, you know, still still a solid week. Great week for subs. Um, so yeah, excited for for week ten, which you know, at least to me, is a slightly better slate. Still pretty gross in the grand scheme of things, but certainly better than week nine. We're gonna take a quick second. We come back. We're gonna look at the board and check out what is going on for week ten. Of course, diving right in, uh, I already see CJ Stroud already pushing the numbers up. He's actually higher than the quarter what first quarterback we're going to talk about. Kind of surprising, but also not really. I don't know. DraftKings isn't the most reactionary to fantasy, but here he is. Especially when you get Lamar Jackson against Cleveland. Don't love that matchup at all. Let's talk about Joe Burrow, 6,800 on DraftKings, 8,200 on FanDuel. He's one spot higher on FanDuel. Let's talk about this matchup with Joey Burr. Yeah, so, you know, quarterback on the higher end, I, I think is pretty interesting this week. You could make a case for any of these guys above 6K and, you know, probably a pretty decent case. Um, but to me, Joe Burrow really stood out, um, if only because he's, you know, he's looked fantastic these last few weeks and the Bengals are slinging the ball. Since 2021, he's averaged 25.9 fantasy points per game in his games with a pass rate over expectation at plus 8% or higher. And, you know, that would easily lead all slate eligible quarterbacks. The good news for this week is that Cincinnati has cleared that mark in four straight games. They've averaged, averaged a league high plus 16.7% pass rate over expectation over that span. So from this point forward, Burrow's in contention to finish as fantasy's quarterback one. But the DraftKings pricing al algorithm continues to unfairly ding him for his injury plague start to the season. He's priced at just 6800 which is $360 cheaper than his average DraftKings salary over the final five weeks of the 2022 season. So he's a clear value relative to his current DK salary, but the icing on the cake here is the 46 and a half total, which, you know, we wouldn't tout on a normal week, but again, this is a fairly gross slate. There are only four games this week with a total over 42 on the main slate. We always want to play Burrow in high total settings, and that urge only increases on a slate with limited offensive firepower. Does the early indications of a potential back injury just set your alarms off a little bit here? I know this is the early look, but is that concerning when you see that price or are you not really concerned about shifting off of him if that kind of escalates? Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing about the early look is we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see on on that injury info. I mean, you know, assuming he can get out there and practice, I, you know, I really wouldn't have many, many worries here. Uh, the big thing with him is just mobility. I'm not necessarily sure a, a back would dramatically impact that unless it, you know, it was a significant injury. But you look good on Sunday night. I, you know, I currently don't have many concerns.
Wonderful. Let's talk about the second quarterback. Definitely been some concerns over play more recently. It feels like the magic is kind of wearing off for some people, but this is DFS. You shake that off and you take a look at the matchup. We have to remember that uh, it's not really a what have you done for me lately situation. And this matchup is nice for Brock Purdy, 5,700 on DraftKings. That's QB 12. Great value there. Not as good a value over at FanDuel at 7,400. Kind of a large discrepancy there between the two. Let's talk Brock Purdy. Yeah, so he's a clear DraftKings value. I mean, he's averaged 19.4 DraftKings fantasy points per game across his 15 fully healthy career starts. That's fifth best among slate-eligible quarterbacks this season. So, you know, clear value there. Of course, you know, the recent bad games might push some people away from him, but he's so cheap that, you know, he is going to project incredibly well on this slate. He also gets a boost from playing in one of the few games with a respectable total and a further boost from facing one of the league's premier pass funnels. I don't think a lot of people realize this, but Jacksonville has forced the second highest defensive pass rate over expectation at plus 7.8%, while ranking as the second toughest schedule-adjusted matchup for opposing running backs on the ground. We know the 49ers are going to want to feed Christian McCaffrey, but in a matchup like this, they may not have much of a choice. They're probably going to have to air it out with Brock Purdy. And, you know... Um, that, that means that Purdy's going to end up being a great play, assuming the volume falls into his lap. We need Jacksonville most likely to push San Francisco in order to, for Purdy to hit his ceiling. You know, if this is some sort of a blowout, it is it is hard to see the ceiling outcome for, for Purdy here. At the same time, I mean, he's just a, a fantastic value on this Week 10 slate. Like I said, I'd expect him to be, um, you know, at least in terms of projected points per dollar, top three um, on the slate at just 5,700, clearly too cheap over on DraftKings. Entirely too cheap. And I think you're right that Jacksonville will need to push, but I don't think this is the game where they're going to be able to rely on ETN with San Francisco. I think they're going to need to push the ball. I think that's where the opportunity lies. You're right. Definitely a big shift between DraftKings and FanDuel on this one, more than I think normal when it comes to what we talk about here. Shifting gears to position groups is a player that I'm happy to see back over 20 carries. He added six targets uh he had a phenomenal game it's aaron jones clearly the bell bell cow boy is back in green bay 6500 rb 11 on DraftKings, 6800 a better value over on fan duel doing a little role reversal here this early in the week but jake let's talk about aaron jones and his matchup against pittsburgh yeah so you know we know green bay was playing it safe with Jones as he works his way back from that. The hamstring injury, he hadn't eclipsed a 49% snap share or 14 expected fantasy points in any game this season. But as you pointed out, that changed in week nine when he posted a 57% snap share, 52% route share, 23% target share, and 20.8 expected fantasy points. Those final three numbers ranked ninth, first, and second among week nine running backs. Crucially, Jones also handled 67% of snaps, 75% of opportunities, and 76% of backfield usage in the red zone. And it's hard to see his usage going anywhere from here but up, with A.J. Dillon averaging a pathetic 3.3 yards per carry. For Week 10, I'd expect Aaron Jones to be the focal point of Green Bay's offense in what looks like a neutral matchup. And, you know, we can't forget Christian Watson dealing with back and chest injuries. He's looking pretty beat up. Not sure if he'll play, and, you know, if he does, probably won't be 100% would think Green Bay um, relies on their ground game here. So Aaron Jones, especially on FanDuel, popping as a really strong value. 
And, you know, unlike certain other projected values, he also has great upside. Second most games of 40 or more DraftKings points among running backs since 2019. So, you know, whenever Aaron Jones is projecting as a good value, to me, that's sort of like a value plus because we know he can have that tournament winning ceiling as well. There's few fewer running backs in the league that you always seem to get a reasonable price on that can break a slate. And that's Aaron Jones. And Jordan Love has just been so bad that relying on Aaron Jones is probably their path to winning. And that's what you want to look for when you're getting these, these upper tier running backs at mid tier prices. It's really a no brainer. Speaking of yeah. another, another guy, another guy here on a team that loves to run the football and is in a mid tier matchup. It's Jerome Ford for Cleveland. Uh, phenomenal speed, great balance back. You know him well. He is 5,300 on DraftKings. That's RB19. He's 6,400 on FanDuel. Also RB19. So we're coming even across the board. Let's talk Jerome Ford in a matchup that some people might think is a kind of a bad bet. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I know Scott Barrett, you know, has, has told me many times he doesn't think, you know, thinks Jerome Ford's a little overrated for tournaments, doesn't think he quite has the ceiling. You know, I think you could argue that in, in this game, um, you know, he, he does potentially have a tournament winning ceiling. He managed 20.3 expected fantasy points, which was the fourth best workload among all week nine running backs alongside the 11th best snap share, seventh best, seventh best route share and the best target share at 23% into Sean Watson's first full game since week three. Uh, he's an easy value at, you know, RB19 on both sides. If we anticipate about 65% of backfield usage moving forward. And he really pops this week with the Browns implied for negative game script as six point underdogs to Baltimore. We can't forget that while, you know, the Ravens on the surface might appear like a bad matchup, they actually are a top eight schedule adjusted receiving matchup for opposing running backs. And Deshaun Watson is checking the ball down at a top 12 rate. So, you know, if you're looking to pay down at running back this week, to me, Jerome Ford really stands out, if only because he could get there on checkdowns. Right, and that's where you have to look past surface data, and you can do that with the Fantasy Points data suite. All the advanced data went live while the day we are recording this, which is Monday. It is the fastest, and it is truly unbelievable. It's what sets the difference in edges, especially with what we just talked about with Jerome Ford. There's our plug of the day. Uh, let's talk some wide receivers. Uh, probably the most... In my opinion, the most important position when setting a lineup because there are so many options, it can be hard to identify what you want to do. You have Brandon Ayuk here as the first one you want to talk about. 7,100 on DraftKings, wide receiver 7, 7,800 wide receiver 6 on FanDuel. Debo back at practice. This could be one of your last standalone Ayuk games for the rest of the year. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Cool. And I, you know, honestly, I really like. Ayuk, even if Debo comes back, I mean, we know he's been nothing short of spectacular this season. Ayuk is third in PFF receiving grades and second in yards per hour run behind only Tyreek Hill. We always want to target spectacular players in DFS, especially when they're faced with incredible matchups. I mean, we already touched on this a little bit with Brock Purdy, 
But Jacksonville is the second softest schedule adjusted matchup for opposing outside wide receivers. And like I noted with Birdie, they're a top three pass funnel by pass rate over expectation allowed. That's going to force San Francisco to get away from their ground game. You know, they are one of the more run heavy teams in the league. It's going to force them to throw to their wide receivers and, you know, who to throw to. But Brandon Ayuk, who's playing like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. To me, you know, when you look at the expensive tier of wide receivers on this slate, Again, similar to the expensive quarterbacks, you can make arguments for any of these guys, but Ayuk stands out as clearly underpriced. I mean, you could make an argument he should be 76, 7,800 on DraftKings, especially in a contest where we expect uh, San Francisco to air the ball out. Being cheaper than Mike Evans blows my mind. I mean, Evans has been pretty good across the board, but as you said, Ayuk being as good as he's been all year to be cheaper than Mike Evans and then... 1200 cheaper than Amon Ross St. Brown. It's it's exactly what we're talking about in terms of values for a potential wide receiver one on a slate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know, it seems like the ideal place to play Brandon Ayuk and I'd imagine, you know, as the season moves on, by the time we get to week, you know, 16, 17, 18, we're going to be looking at an $8,000 Ayuk on DraftKings. Easily. Yeah, I don't think that's a, with the I don't think that's a question at all. I think that's just factual. Uh, let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins, who is getting a bit of a bump here with Huckett, Chuckett, Will Levis uh, playing quarterback now. Gone are the days of Dusty Tannehill. Now we have somebody who can really push the ball downfield, lots of zip, and it's working with DeAndre Hopkins, even if it looks like he's running through mud every time he's running down the field, it's it, his legs look dusty, but what's not dusty is 6,000 on DraftKings, wide receiver 17. Fandle has him as not as good a value. 7,100. He's wide receiver 10. That's a little steep for me, but let's talk to Andre Hopkins. Yeah, it's it's certainly a big gap in pricing between DraftKings and FanDuel. At the very least, you know, it's a good sign for Hopkins DraftKings value that he has been priced up so aggressively on FanDuel. You know, that generally means things are trending in the right direction. He ranks 13th in fantasy points per route run, which is nothing short of miraculous considering he was saddled with, you know, right there at at league worst levels of quarterback play prior to the arrival of Will Levis. But now, seemingly, he has a competent quarterback. And he gets a matchup, which could actually force the league's most run-heavy offense to air it out. Uh, similar to Jacksonville, Tampa Bay is a top three pass funnel by pass rate over expectation allowed. And they're a top three schedule-adjusted matchup for opposing wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins is finally getting some accurate targets. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't look like the DeAndre Hopkins of old in terms of his legs, but he certainly still has the ability to go up and catch the ball. And he's seeing great volume as well. He profiles as a strong tournament option in a game where Tennessee should be forced to throw. Um, you know, this this isn't a game we're going to want to stack, but I think if you're looking at just one-off wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins at 6K stands out as a great value on DraftKings. Touchdown upside definitely exists with DeAndre Hopkins and a quarterback who is not afraid to rip it. One thing Will Levis is not is cowardice. Uh, that dude just stands in there and slings it. We love that from an alpha wide receiver perspective. Let's talk about another presumed alpha. I don't really know how to feel about him right now, but his price is reflecting that of being the wide receiver two on the team. This is, of course, Calvin Ridley. We talked about the other players in the San Francisco matchup. This might be a nice bring back here with Calvin Ridley. 5,600 on DraftKings, wide receiver 20. FanDuel has him 6,700, wide receiver 19. 
So pretty even for value across the board. Let's talk about why this might be a Calvin Ridley game. Yeah, so he's been incredibly inconsistent this year. He's only scored double-digit DraftKings points in half of his games. But he has been fairly consistent in favorable matchups. He's averaged 16 DraftKings fantasy points per game and 9.7 targets per game in his three games against teams that rank among the top 10 schedule-adjusted matchups for opposing outside wide receivers. San Francisco is one of those teams. And Jacksonville should be forced to throw in this contest as a three-point underdog. This is important too. Ridley is the cheapest he's been on both sites all season. So he's really popping as a strong matchup based by low options in one of the few games on this slate that has any offensive juice. You know, we're really going to be concentrated, I think, in terms of our game stacks here. Um, and yeah, Calvin Ridley, I think, pops as, you know, one of the preferred bringback options if you are stacking San Francisco. Absolutely. He's. He's been hard to trust, but his price reflects as somebody that you want to be investing in for the big game potential. Maybe as a throwback Ridley game this week. Like you said, if San Francisco's line is going to hit, we need someone on Jacksonville to do it. And per price, Calvin really looks like he's lining up to be that guy. Uh, somebody who personally victimized me all weekend because uh, I just did not play enough of him uh, is Dalton Schultz. Uh, I came up short in so many of my lineups and season longs because I got Schultz. We're talking about him today. We're not doing a Cardinals uh, tight end this week, but we are going to do a Texans. This is Dalton Schultz, Schultz 4,900 on DraftKings, 6,100 on FanDuel. Good for tight end six on both platforms. He is just blown up as Stroud has gotten better. Let's talk Schultz and whether or not we think it can keep up. Yeah, so Schultz is averaging 8.3 targets per game, 65 receiving yards per game, and 16.7 DraftKings fantasy points per game over his last four games. Among slate-eligible tight ends this year, those marks rank second, first, and first. Yet he's priced as the tight end six on both sides. He's been nothing short of a high-end tight end one over the last month while sneakily leading all tight ends with eight end zone targets over the full season, that's as many as Travis Kelsey and George Kittle have combined. I really wouldn't expect Schultz's volume to slow down anytime soon after recent comments by Houston head coach D'Amico Ryan suggested that the Texans are going to have to continue throwing the ball as long as the run game remains inefficient. And I wouldn't expect run game efficiency to improve this week against the Bengals, who are a bottom 10 schedule adjusted matchup for opposing running backs on the ground, but the single softest schedule adjusted matchup for opposing tight ends. We're going to want to get aggressive with game stacks this week, given the lack of compelling scoring environments. And Schultz is the perfect way to get Mark Andrews levels of volume in a premier game for a mid-range tight end one salary. I mean, he's 2000 cheaper than dra than Andrews on DraftKings. It's just a ridiculous value on Schultz if we think this volume continues, which in this matchup, I don't see why I wouldn't. Again, we talked about Burrow at the very beginning, and we talked a couple weeks back, if you remember, on how to get that elite bring back without hitting a different position. This is how you can do that. You can get a Burrow chase stack with an elite option bring back at a reasonable price with Schultz, and that's just the easiest way to get that bring back when you have a matchup like that. He is legitimately able to break the slate from the tight end position. And like you said, he's, he's the tight end six. It's just, 
everything's lining up for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is like I said, there's going to be a few games that we want to get really concentrated on. If you're stacking, you know, the Texans Bengals game, probably not playing a ton of Irv Smith. Time no. to load up on Dalton Schultz. Yeah, Irv Smith without that touchdown this week, just ugh, ugh, no. Someone played him out there, and they they might have benefited. And makes me sick a little bit. No Irv Smith talk. Little Irv Smith talk as we can get through uh, on this show forever. Jake, phenomenal. I always love the early look. It really lets us just get a quick glimpse. It is the earliest anyone will get DFS content in the business. We're number one, so we wear that proudly. Uh, Article comes out tomorrow when we're recording this? Yeah, yeah. The article will be out uh, Tuesday by noon. Um, and then, you know, I'll have DFS study hall, study hall out on Thursday. We'll have DFS values out on Friday. Scott Barrett's big slate breakdown comes out Saturday morning. And then, of course, we'll have caching points for free on the Fantasy Points YouTube channel Friday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern. The hottest DFS show out there. Look, we'll be back here next week for another DFS early look. I can't wait. Good luck heading into week 10.